If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. We're, we're still here at the Spartan World Championship. We haven't even left yet. 2017. <laughs> We've done a bajillion. We're camping out. This one, though, one of my favorite people that we met while we were out here. It's the first time I had a chance to meet Ryan from Order of Man podcast. Really fucking like this dude. He's a cool guy. He actually came to the house that we rented. We got this, this incredible house, um, beautiful views. There was a perfect room to record. We all sat down on the couch had a little bit to drink and had a great podcast and great conversation. Mm. He's a very smart guy. His podcast is very interesting. Yeah. They talk about, you know, optimizing health, wellness, fitness, but also, you know, motivation and, and lifestyle and all that kind of stuff. So it's a really interesting podcast. Again, he's a great podcast host as well. Well, we did one with him and one with us. So these are actually two episodes that are going out, right? So we've got, we, the episode. This is the one where we interview him. Right. You guys are listening to one of the episodes. If you really enjoyed this, make sure you go check out his podcast. We did another interview, completely different. So it's yeah. not the same different interview. Different conversation entirely. Yeah. We did back, this guy, we had such a great time talking with him that we ran back another podcast. So lots of good information on, on both of them. It's awesome. You can find out more uh, on the Order of Man podcast at Order of Man man.com and you can find him on instagram at order of man uh, also i do want to talk about our maps super bundle we have a lot of new listeners we've been doing a lot of outreach and we have a lot of new people listening and i get a lot of questions uh you know which program should i enroll in which maps program is right for me we always recommend uh the the best uh method of action is to get the super bundle now, it's called a super bundle because it includes all of our core programs, and it's organized in a way to where you follow one program, and then you move to the next program, and then you move to the next program, and so on. Mm. It's almost a year of exercise programming. In other words, every month, every week is planned out for you, so you know what your workouts are like, you know how to progress. There's different forms of adaptation you'll be addressing, everything from maximal strength to agility to endurance to you know bodybuilding style hypertrophy. Um, I mean, pretty much everything is in this year's worth of exercise program. This way, we know you know you're going through all of these progressions, and we 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 know like what your what what your plan is, and so the, that way we have it all set out ahead of time. I mean, it's super bundle. It's step by step, and we have videos in there there that show you the exercises, blueprints that tell you the workouts. If you follow this from beginning to end and you're consistent, you will see significant changes in your physique, in your strength with uh, fat loss and muscle building and, uh, you know, connections to your muscles, acquired. new skills, uh, you know, better recruitment patterns, correction of muscle imbalances. It's the most comprehensive uh, bundle or fitness program and that way you anywhere. save right away instead of like purchasing them all individually. That's the other thing too, is we've took, take them all, combine them and then uh, cut the price uh, way down. So that's the maps super bundle. You can find it at mindpumpmedia.com. So without any further ado, here we are interviewing Ryan, the host of order of man. Ryan is uh, taking good yeah! care of his ears all these years. I don't know, man. I feel like I'm going deaf, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. I, oh, no. I really do. How old are you right now? I'm 36. Oh, yeah. This is when it's happening to all of us. Right? I, uh, We're all fucked. I, when I joined the military, actually, I joined and I did a, uh, I had to do like the audio test where they, you know, hear the sound, whatever ear it's on. And I was at, at, at basic training. They did this. And the drill sergeant came and he got in my face. He's like, you little effort, you're lying. Like... Because I didn't pass the test initially. Oh, really? So it's like, you do it again. You pass it this time. I'm like, dude, I really couldn't hear the beeps. And so I had to take it again. And I passed the second time. Oh, shit. And he's like, see, I knew you were lying. Because like, <laughs> he didn't think I wanted to be there or something. So he thought I was trying to, trying to bail trying out. Trying to get out of there. Yeah. Like music when you were a kid? Or like, were you in a band or anything? How do you no, I don't, I don't know what it is. I, huh. I just don't know if it's bad ears or what. Oh, that, yeah. that is kind of strange. I worry about that, though. I mean, we you know, jammed hard. I always yeah, like... Yeah. I mean, maybe, but I don't, I, don't, I don't think it was anything to do with that. I always like to ask my, my fellow podcasters, <clears throat> what... What got you into podcasting? Like, why did you even get into that medium? Like, there's not a lot of us. Yeah. When 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 did you see it? Why did you do it? What what had, what made you head that direction? So I um I was telling these guys my background is is financial planning and uh, I was looking at a new way of doing things because I've seen all these guys do it one way and I, frankly I wasn't having any success with my financial planning practice. It was miserable. I just I, I almost washed out. 
I'm like, man, I got to do, I got to do this a different way. And I, I'd been listening to podcasts. And so I thought maybe I can do that. I said, I, and then I thought to myself, there's nobody in the right mind who's going to listen to what I have to say through a podcast and then become a client of mine. Right. But for whatever reason, I did it anyways. So I started a podcast. I called it Wealth Anatomy. And uh, we focused on financial advice, financial information, financial planning for healthcare professionals. So doctors, dentists, chiropractors, veterinarians. And I remember the first guy that called me, it was a uh, pediatric physician out of Pennsylvania, if I remember. And he brought me on as- a lot of peace. Yeah. (laughs) Say that that five times fast, right? Whoa. And uh, yeah, so I brought him on as a client. And that's when I knew, I'm like, man, this is pretty cool. So I did about 20, 25 episodes there. And I realized that I love the medium of podcasting. I just didn't want to continue to have that conversation. This was at what time? How, like how many years ago? This, this? was 2000, early 2015. So I started about the same time you guys did. Uh, okay. You started, what, January, you said? January, yeah, January 2015? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So I probably started podcasting around the same time. And then I started the new business now that we're running now, Order of Man, in March of 2015. Now, when you went into it, were you thinking like you saw the direction like that podcasting was taking off or you thought this is just a cool place where I could talk and- That's it. Oh, yeah. wow. I had no idea. Like I didn't, I didn't have any foresight that, oh, this is the direction and this is the path and I'm going to make money. Even when I started this business, I just wanted to have some good conversations about masculinity and talk with some cool people and that's what I did. And it took off quickly. And I realized pretty quickly, I'm like, oh, I stumbled onto something here. And frankly, that's all it was. I stumbled onto something. It'd oh. be nice to to say like oh, I planned it all out, <laughs> but I did. Now you say you it. talk a lot about things like masculinity and what it means to be a man or whatever. That seems to be uh, <laughs> kind of a hot topic these yeah. days. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Why do you think that is? It's like, what's your opinion on that? Because I feel like you know, had you talked about well, that, well, tell them we we did an episode early on. One of our first episodes that really sure. take off was uh, the decline of the, the mo- modern male. The modern male. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I think that's the reason. I think the timing is right. And I said stumble upon it. I mean, truly stumbled upon it. I stumbled into a topic that was relevant to me, mm. uh, and and we can maybe talk about why it's relevant to me later or whatever. Uh, I, I think I entered the market at the right time, but I think there's a lot of guys who are growing up without without dads, for example. I don't know if your guys' situation, but I grew up without a, a permanent father figure in my life. Yeah. I know there's a lot of guys dealing with that. I went through a separation near divorce. I know a ton of guys are dealing with that. Uh, I know there's a ton of confusion. You get into gender confusion and, and sexuality and attractiveness and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of confusion about what it even means to be a man and masculinity. And so I just think it's a good time. It's a good time. People are confused. People want to uh, maybe return some of that roots of masculinity. So let's go there. What led you there? You, you started to say that. We'll talk, let's talk now about that. Where did, what sent you that direction? Why you? Yeah. So, I mean, we could rewind till the time I was, I was three. My dad was out of the picture. I had two stepdads coming to my life. Both of them were I'll just say less than stellar examples of, of what it meant to be a man. One was an alcoholic. He was never abusive, but just just not present. I remember doing some stuff. We did like a uh, Pinewood Derby cars together. In That's fact, so I still funny. have those Pinewood Derby cars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we would go. He would take us to sprint car races, and so there was like nice. moments where I was like, "Oh, this is this is cool. This is what it's supposed to be." But that didn't work out. And I had another uh, stepfather come into my life, and uh, he he was charismatic and successful as a business owner, but he used his talents and his skills and abilities to push people down rather than lift people up. Mm. And so he was verbally and emotionally abusive. So I never really had a, a great role model. I mean, I, I learned a lot through, we, we talked a little bit about football and sports. I, I wrestled, I played baseball, I played football. So fortunately I had some really good coaches, coaches that I, I stay in contact with almost 20 years later. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. So that's kind of cool. Now, and, did you, so you have a similar, <laughs> I have a similar childhood upbringing. Did, yeah. did, did that force you to kind of rise above and become a man early on and young, or did you think that suppressed it? And then later on you kind of did? Well, I think it was more that because the biggest thing, a lot of people ask me, uh, like it, just in this journey, even over the past two and a half years, what's changed for me? <clears throat> and it's this level of confidence. And I never had that confidence growing up. And I always ask, you know, if I would have had a permanent father figure, somebody in my life who could teach me what it actually means to be a man, I wonder what that would do to my level of confidence. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was what I really struggled with as a kid. I struggled with confidence. I was awkward. I was uncomfortable. I was really introverted. I didn't want to put myself out there or take any risks. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I did suppress that quite a bit. And it's only in, in the last maybe handful of years, five, six years, where I feel oh, like, I, I feel like, I, I don't know. It's kind of cheesy, but like I fi- I'm figuring out who I am, if you yeah. will. You, well, you feel like weird. yourself. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting time too when we talk about what it means to be a man because, uh, re- relatively recently, it's almost been demonized. Anything that has to do with uh, being a man yeah. or male or masculine has been demonized to the point where 
uh, there's a lot of question, you know, what does it mean? I mean, uh, I've, people now are talking about how chivalrous, being chivalrous, excuse me, is a form of sexism, uh, you know, opening someone's door or helping some, you know, helping someone lift yeah. something or yeah. whatever uh, is sexist or any any type of any sign of you know male uh, you know just maleness is bad. Um, and then on top of that, you have interesting statistics showing testosterone levels declining. This has now been happening for the last I don't know four or five decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got uh, just and like you said, this 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 explosion of you know, children being raised without fathers. And if you look at all cultures, all, especially ancient cultures, there's been this rite of passage that men have, or boys have gone through to become men. And they've been kind of eliminated um, out of society to the, where we kind of remain adolescents for, for, you know, such a long time. For sure. So it's very interesting. What does that mean then? What does it mean to be a man today? You know, it's almost like you can't say it without offending anybody. I know, yeah. people get upset. And that's actually a question. I asked that question out of every single one of my guests and everybody has a different answer. But what I found is that through that question, it usually translates into one of three areas. And in my mind, a man is a protector, he's a provider, and he's a presider. So he protects himself, he protects his loved ones, uh, those who cannot protect themselves. That's his responsibility. He provides, not just financially. I know the dynamics for family have changed, right? A lot of guys are staying at home. Uh, Women are entering the workforce. So it's not just financial provision, but it's mental and emotional and spiritual provision as well. And uh, And then preside, leadership. I mean, look around from businesses to national politics, the lack of male leadership, noble leadership is significantly declining in my mind and from my perspective. Mm. And so uh, that that's what it means to be a man. The other part of this is a man is also accountable and responsible for himself and those he has an obligation mm. for. Mm-hmm. You know, I look at my boys, I've got three boys and a little girl and my boys are boys. And part of the reason they're boys is because they don't have any accountability really, right? They don't have any responsibility. They got to clean up after the dog or do the dishes or whatever it is we have them do around the house. If they get into trouble at school, ultimately falls upon me and my wife. So they don't have any responsibility or accountability. And at that point where they start to become accountable and responsible for themselves is where that transition of, of masculinity, manliness. What do those happens. conversations look like? What do those look like when you're, when you, I mean, are you having those now with your boys absolutely, already? Absolutely. Absolutely. You talked about rite of passage, for example. So my oldest son, he's nine years old. Uh, when he wa- when he turned eight, we actually went on a, a little mini rite of passage. So what we did is we went on a, a camp out and he planned the entire camp out from the packing list to what we were going to do, to That's where cool. we were going to go, to what we needed, to the food, everything. He planned it all out. And what I did is I gave him a, a, a knife, a little multi-tool knife. And I said, this is for you. This is a gift for you. This is your birthday gift, but you're going to use this on our camp out. Hmm. And so we did different tasks. He had to set up a fire and we did some firearm safety and we did some different things together. Uh, we did some geocaching. I don't know if you guys have ever done that. That's kind of cool. <clears throat> did some hiking. What is that? Geocaching is basically you have uh, grids or, or coordinates that you'll plug into your, your phone. And so you'll go from place uh, to place. You go find them almost you find like them. The, the Yeah, Pokemon it's like a scavenger. Yeah. yeah, a lot like that, lot except like for it, like the real version of it. And they'll make it actually, really yeah. hard, like certain yeah. like obstacles you have to get through yeah. to even get to the Bury them oh, yeah. under rocks it's and stuff. Cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I've done so, it before. And then what you do is when you find it, you'll usually take something out of there or leave a note that you were there and then put something in the box. Is that an app or something? What, I mean, yeah, you... I mean, there's all kinds of different programs and apps that are available based on where you are. So we did some of that. Mm-hmm. And then, so he went through this series and what I did is I talked to him about what I just told you guys, protect, provide, preside. And what I did is I actually bought some uh, lion figurines. So I bought a little lion cub and then a, a male lion. And I pulled out the lion cub and I said, this is you right now. And so I showed him and I said, this is where you are in life. This is what you're doing. And this is what you're striving to become. And I showed him the, the lion. And I said, in order for you, the cub, to be here, you need to understand, protect, provide, preside. So we went through this whole thing through the, at the fire, did a fireside with him. And then at the end, since he did all of that, he earned his first 22 rifle. So I got him a little 22 cool. rifle that he shot and he loves. And the, the best part about it for me was a couple days later, he came up to me and he said, dad, can I take these figurines to school? I'm like, yeah, you want to do show and tell with him? He's like, yeah, I want to talk to him about the three P's of masculinity. (laughs) Yeah, man, that sunk in. So this isn't a one-time thing for us though. I've got them planned every two years. We're just going to start doing these things. So my next son, he's six years old in two years, we'll do something very similar. And so every two years we'll continue to do this and, Oh, that's really I, you cool. know, I just think it's an, it's a, great. it's it's great that you're doing that because it is very interesting considering mm-hmm. the traditional uh, roles that men have played in society and we'll, and and some people will argue the reason why we evolved uh, men in the first place 
those reasons don't necessarily exist anymore. Like life is pretty safe. Yeah. You know, you don't yeah. need to like, you don't need a guy to protect you from people killing you For or sure. you know, stealing yeah. from you. Um, you, you know, wars are, you know, they're, they're waged now much with much more technology. So that's a little different, but you know, that's still male dominated, um, earning potential and stuff like that. You know, women get jobs. And, so it's almost like men feel kind of lost. Like, what do I do? Yeah. You know, who am I? What does it mean? And I think, you know, those, those roles, you're right. I think those, those looked like they have gone away. I don't think they've gone away as much as they've changed. Because if you look at natural disasters or you look at active shooter type situations, the need for a, a protector, a man who is capable, who has situational awareness, who has the training and the skills and the tools available to be able to protect in a natural disaster or uh, some catastrophic crime that they might experience is important. And that's why I talk about in the other side, you talk about provision. You're right women are entering the workforce. Mm -hmm. So it's not just that financial provision. And this is where we start talking about more of a, Mm -hmm. I think maybe more of a a deeper man, if you will. Brett McKay with Art of Manliness, you guys familiar Mm -hmm. with his work. Mm -hmm. One of the things he talks about is he says, there's a distinction between masculinity and manliness. So masculinity are the raw virtues that we generally would think of when it comes to being a man. So aggression, dominance, competitiveness, violence, all these things, those aren't necessarily bad, but when they go unchecked, they create problems. It's the extreme form. Yeah. I mean, Which, by the way, the extreme form of the feminism, of the feminist side or, you know, women's side is also, can also have some pretty bad effects. Absolutely. Absolutely. And any, anything, take, take health. I mean, something that I don't think anybody would argue is, is a bad thing for you, going to the gym, eating right, working out. Oh, we talk about this all the yet, time. It can be taken overboard, right? It can be taken <clears throat> to the extreme. More often than not, so I shared uh, on our show a lot, the the whole process of going through uh competing on within men's physique uh you would think that because you're looking at some of the fittest people in the world when you look at the ifbb as far as all the professional level bikini bodybuilders that yeah but actually when you actually really dive in they are some of the most unhealthy people and not just uh from a physical and what they're doing but their their habits their behaviors their uh relationship with themselves like there's a lot of bad stuff going on yeah. within it and you don't realize it so and a lot of it's rooted through insecurities that's driven them that that's given them that much drive to absolutely compete at that well level. What's, what's interesting is is that some people will say that women actually drive uh, how men evolve uh, in two different ways. Testosterone levels, although they they can be genetic, there's def- definitely a genetic component. There are things that can happen that can affect your testosterone levels almost instantly. Uh, besides things that you do to your 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 physical body, for example, if you win. Uh, a game against someone, you'll see a spike in testosterone. If you're in a room with other, you know, alpha males, there's another female present, you'll see testosterone tend to spike. Um, And they've shown in many studies that women will prefer more, uh, will prefer men with more masculine features or these visible signs of testosterone around times of like natural disaster or when they feel like things, and then without knowing, this is the things that they, that they tend to desire more same thing with birth control. Here's an interesting one. When women are on birth control, they uh, desire men with less signs of masculinity versus when they're off. And then, especially when they're ovulating, they're more attracted to these signs of testosterone. And consider, now, if we consider, you know, birth control has been on the market for how many decades, you know, we may be breeding out this kind of, just these, these, you know, these masculine men and creating lower and lower testosterone. Yeah. It may be one of the factors that, that's Yeah, in, in you know, play. you bring up a really good point. I mean, think about this uh, this hurricane that, that they just dealt with in Houston, for example. Did you see anybody complaining about masculinity? No, because <laughs> no, there was hundreds, if not thousands of men who were going down, serving, volunteering, giving time, energy, money, resources, doing what I believe men should do. Nobody complains about it then. It's when things are going smooth. It's like, oh man, I don't, I don't, I don't. yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know I, mean? I had a guy who uh, I, I was at a conference. I don't remember what conference it was, and and he said, man, how do I how do I develop t- testosterone? I'm like, you do manly things, like you go work out or you go shoot and you eat meat and you compete and you have sex. Like you do manly things. That's what boosts testosterone. And I think a lot of that is being stripped away from society. That's funny. It's actually totally. a very sim- it's very simplistic to think of it that way, but it's so true. All those things will lead to that. We mm-hmm. talk to that indirectly on the show mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah, it's interesting where uh, where things are you know tend to are, are going, and I know we're constantly told about you know we're constantly told how bad the patriarchy is and how bad you know men have done things, and there's definitely been um, some bad sides, but uh, there's some some trends now that are emerging that we're going to see more in the next in the coming decades that are going to show the opposite. For example. Yeah. 
Uh, women graduate uh, college at much higher rates now than, than men do. Boys do worse in school. Schools are designed uh, to do better for for girls to do better. Absolutely, there's definitely a and of course the individual variance is pretty big. So I want to be clear: like you can have general masculine traits, general feminine traits, but within you know the the you know women and within men there are these variances where you'll have some men that are far more feminine than some women and vice versa. But generally speaking, boys learn differently than girls do, and schools have been designed around girls to the point where boys are medicated at much, much higher levels or higher rates to fit into this mold. So like ADD, ADHD, yep. so much higher rates among boys. And, you know, it wasn't that long ago they were just called, you know, hyperactive or random. Because we can't go outside or, and fucking throw rocks and kick cans and thing. do shit, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I look at my boys, for example. I get in trouble for making a stick gun right. or yeah, doing right. something, right? Exactly. I remember when I was little, I remember climbing. I'm, I couldn't have been more than seven, eight years old, climbing up on my roof and I put a, a napkin somehow on a G.I. Joe and I was stood up there with my buddy and we were throwing G.I. Joes with napkins off the roof. For parachutes. Yeah. yeah. And my mom <laughs> would kick shit. me outside and she would say, don't come in until night. And she would literally lock the door. Yep. And, the, and I, I came in when she called me for dinner. We used yeah. to. Because we were out. That's what we were doing. We had a, we had a neighborhood we where we lived in the, this big, like, kind of uh, area where it was like a, all your what do, you, what do you call it? Houses that are all the same, right? The like, yeah, a, like townhouse, townhome. Yeah, like everyone's all the same homes, and there's a <laughs> local park, and it was literally like a, a good half mile from our house, just enough to where when my dad wanted us to come back in the house, I could hear his whistle from over yeah. there, and that was the call that you had yeah. to come back. But yeah. we would literally be set. We'd set off, and you say all the way till sun come down, and we would all as kids push those limits, right? Yeah. You know, we know we're supposed to be home before it's dark. I could still see a little yeah, bit of light. Yeah. You'd hear dad whistle. And I didn't go, hear you, dad. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we used to walk I mean. home from school, man. And, and like, there was like rattlesnakes and there's all kinds of shit yeah. on the way home. Like, but I'm you, not even joking. But you know what's really interesting is I think a lot of that has been conditioned out of boys because I look at my boys and I think naturally, the natural inclination is to go outside, pick up rocks, burn ants with a magnifying glass and figure stuff out, roll around in the dirt. That's what boys naturally do. But I think mm. we, we condition them. You talk about that, um, uh, Dr. Leonard Sachs. Have you heard of him? Mm. He's got some great material and information on this. He's written two books, more than two, but the two that really are relevant to this discussion are uh, Why Gender Matters and Boys Adrift. Mm. And, and both of them are really good books and, and very well researched and get into why school systems are set up this way and it's stacked against young men. And of course, that's going to create problems down the road when these young men get to 18, 19, 20 years old and now we ask them to go get a job and now we ask them to lead and now we ask them to go to battle and now we ask them to do all these things that men should be doing and yet they haven't been trained yeah. to be able to do these no, things. No, and you yep. know, one of the things that I can see now that's going to be, I think, a detriment to, to, or is a detriment to everybody, but in particular to boys, is the accessibility of pornography. We've talked about this uh, several times in our podcast, but um, if you look at rates of uh, things like erectile dysfunction and you know, men going to the doctor to get prescriptions for those types of things, the fastest growing segment of the population that requires that or wants that is men in their 20s. It's exploding. This was non-existent yeah. not that long ago, and it's di- directly the result of this, this ease of accessibility to pornography, which also, of course, changes now how men go out and court women and sure. you know, want to yeah. do all that stuff. So And how anonymous it can be too, right? Like you can hide behind your computer screen and nobody's going to catch you. And there's no, there's no, uh, there's no accountability for it. Mm-hmm. How do you right? manage that as a dad right now? I always like talking to, cause I always get these guys to talk about their parenting because I think it's such a fascinating time right now as a parent or challenging time, I should say for a parent with all these, these tools of, you know, iPads and all the gaming systems and the ability to stream everything to their phone. Like, do you set uh, rules with your, your, your boys on how long they can be on the phone or do things like that? Like, how does that work? Yeah. I mean, rules are important and you have those, we've got a computer, but it's in, in the family room, you know, so we've got things like that set up. But the other side of it that I don't think a lot of people are talking about is like, talk with your kids. Right. Like sex isn't bad. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, boobs aren't bad. Right. Like we're, we're attracted to these things. Why are we attracted to these things? Because biologically that's kind of how we work. Right. And so I have conversations with my boys, maybe not as explicit as I could get with you guys, sure. right. you know, but, <laughs> but we have conversations. My oldest son, nine years old, I told you guys that we've already had kind of the birds and the bees talk, right? Part one, uh, my, my six year old, my wife and I were talking and she's like, 
I think we, I think you need to have the conversation with, with Eli a little bit about the birds and bees. I'm like, oh man. And it's never, it's never fun. Right. Yeah, yeah. Which is why most people don't do it until right. it's too late. Yeah. And they let their boys learn from, from their buddies or from yeah, right. a magazine or whatever, or, or a website. Which is how we all learn. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and I think you just, man, imagine if we learned a more, a more healthy environment, like it's okay that you're attracted to women. Right. It's okay that when you're around them, they, you know, like that they smell good, they smell intoxicating or that they have a nice figure that you're attracted to. And that's okay. That's all right. It's okay. So I think coupled with some, of course, some systems and, and, you know, in place at, at your household, I, I think. That's now you have four, you have two boys, two girls. <clears throat> Three boys, one girl. Oh, three boys, one girl. Yeah. She's the youngest? No, she's the third. Okay. Yeah. So I've got, so she's four and then my, uh, my youngest is almost two. Now, are you, are you seeing what a difference it's going to be to raise her in comparison yet? Or is it, she's still pretty young? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it, it's with kids, they all, they all have their own personality Mm -hmm. and there's not a thing you can do about it. Yeah. My, my oldest is, is timid and he's passive and he's, He's really sensitive. He's in tune with with other people. He knows when people are off. He loves animals. Mm. And uh, my my second what was funny. Uh, my oldest got in a fight at school or a little pushing match or something, and he was kind of heartbroken. He was sitting on the steps, and he's a big kid. And my second son, he's he's six. He comes up to him, little guy, little scrawny, kind of a runt, but just a fireball of like energy. He's like you want me to punch him in the face for you? <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, man, I raised these boys the same. We do the same activities. We have the same conversations. Yeah. And yet every single one of my children, even down to the two-year-old who can't really even say much, I know he's got a new personality, a different That's personality. That's so awesome. it's crazy. Yeah, I think the suppression of all that just leads to this like, hyper-masculinity, which is false. You know what for I mean? Sure. That yeah. whole for sure. expression of aggression and anger and... You know, and it comes out and, it, and it's because we suppress yeah. you know, the natural things and we we don't maintain the balance. I think that's a bad thing. I just uh, I just did a interview. It was yesterday, an interview with uh, with Lewis Howes. And he's got a new book coming out called The Mask of Masculinity. And I, as I read this book, it challenged me, man. It challenged me. Like I, I, I caught myself saying, this isn't true. This isn't right. No, Lewis doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm like, well, I'm having him on the show. So I got to continue to read the book and research. And as I read it, I'm like, man, maybe this is my, my own mask coming out. And so he talks about nine different masks. Yeah. I mean, he talks about these nine different masks from the material mask to the athletic mask to the sexual mask and, and nine different masks that we as men tend to put on to either overcompensate or hide the way that we truly feel and think about things. Oh, yeah. mm, so that makes yeah. perfect yeah, sense. Make oh, sense. for sure. Yeah, it makes perfect sense that you, you would do that. I think that's true for anybody though, yeah. not just men and women. But, exactly, yeah. yeah. But I think you're going to see more and more of that as society continues to make being a guy or being a man such a bad thing to right. the point where even saying the words be a man yeah. is now frowned upon. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So was this like your main, was this your motivation to really address these types of things or was it other, you know? Uh, the, you know, the reason I started it and it's gone down a rabbit hole and, and it's and it's been a good one for sure is that I went through a separation with my wife and uh, I, we got an argument one evening. I can't remember what the argument was about, but I remember saying to her, I don't even want to be married anymore. And she agreed with me. And the next morning she took, she left with my six month old son. Oh shit. Dude, it was brutal. How, how long ago? How, how many years life. ago? This was, uh, nine, eight, eight years ago. So okay. yeah. Cause my oldest is nine now. So okay. eight, eight and a half years ago and darkest time of my life, man, darkest time of my life. But I came to a realization that the marriage might be over. This was like two, two and a half, three months into our separation. And for the first time I recognized, you know, maybe, maybe I had, more to do with this than I initially thought. You know, I'd pawn it all. Like, how could she do this? Why was she being a bitch? Why was she doing all this stuff? Why, how could she take my kid away from me? Those are the things I told myself. And I came to that realization that, now nah, maybe I've got something to do with this. And, and I realized at that point that, that, our, that our marriage might be over for the first time, which, which I didn't want that to be the case, but it was the most liberating moment, I think potentially of my life. Mm. And the reason I say that is because for the first time in my life, because I owned it, I recognized it, I could take the power back that I had given away to her, mm-hmm. that I had given away to society, that I had given away to the economy and mm. all the other factors that I was blaming for, for my circumstances. Mm. And so at that, po- at that point, I realized it and made the decision, I'm just going to go to work on myself mm-hmm. and let the chips fall where they may. 
Yeah. And so I went on this journey and, and, and long story short, we ended up salvaging our marriage and, uh, you know, I, I can, I can do everything that I want to do on my own mm. without her. She can do everything that she wants and uh, to do in her life without me. And that fact makes us stronger together. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. You got to love that. The, for, I for remember sure. the, when Katrina, Katrina and I have been together six and a half years. I remember the, one of the first things she ever said to me is that, uh, I, I want you, I don't need you. Yes. You know, and I, and I, I used to love that though. Yeah. I love having a woman that truly feels that way. Right. It's, it's an, it's an amazing feeling to feel that she does. She doesn't rely on me or need me together. We are better. Right. You know? And mm-hmm. without each other, we'd be fine, but together we're that much better. It's and just, I mean, how sick do you, like how fast do you get sick of that? You know, that's kind of fun. You got this girl that likes you and, and needs you around. It feels good for a little while. And it's like, oh, this is boring. That's all ego driven, yeah. right? Yeah. You just want to feed, that, sure. feed that ego or for those sure. insecurities. So, yeah. Well, you know, that re, uh, you know, taking on that responsibility and understanding that you play a role in so much of what you experience in your life and your even in your in the shit that goes wrong, it sucks because you have to accept it, which means oh shit, I'm I played a big role in that, but it's fucking awesome. It is. Because now you're empowered. Right. And you know, I, I talk about this with clients all the time when it comes to fitness. It's like, you know, you got here because not because your genetics, not because you know, of, you know, circumstances that were out of your control. You got here because of the choices that you made, but this is a good thing because now you know that you can change this yourself, but it's so hard for people to accept Hmm. responsibility because it's so easy. It feels so good in the short term to be a victim. And it really does. It really does feel good for a short period of time to be like, it's not my fault. I'm a victim right Right. now. I know shit sucks because of somebody else. You know, it's so much easier. But when you say to yourself, okay, I just got divorced about, uh, God, it's been about two years now, maybe a year and a half. And, um, you know, same thing going, coming down. I was married for 15 years and a lot of, I thought most of it was her, yeah. you know, definitely most of it was her, but, uh, I was forced to look at myself and realize the roles that I played in it. And, um, you're right. It's at first it sucks, but then it's amazing. Right. Cause now I can see, okay, what can I change and how can I become a better human being? If you want to grow, you have to take responsibility. I tell people it's it's always you. You know, it's always you. It's never the other. Even yeah. when it's the other person, I still allowed myself to get in that circumstance, right? I allowed myself to get in that situation. So what is it that I did to allow that to happen to myself? No matter how bad it seems like it's got to be the other person. I think when you learn to take that kind of ownership, then true growth happens every time. Other words, otherwise you're always blaming others or thinking, oh yeah, it won't happen that way. Or I won't put myself in that situation. No, what, what did I do in this situation that made that, that get this outcome, you know? Right. I just did a, a podcast with a pursuit a podcast in an interview and he was at, he, well, he was a big fan of the show. He listens a lot. And he says, you know, you talk a lot about that. You know, did you have, do you have like some tips or tools to give to people to get there? He says, because I think very, I think everybody wants to be at that level, but don't know how to do that. And I said, well, I remember starting off like this. And I, and I remember at the end of the day, I would look back at like everything that happened in that day and the things that got me excited, the things that got me frustrated, all the emotional changes, like all of us right now in this room, we have kind of like a even kill personality. It's whatever our personal, whether you're a high energy person or even kill, whatever, that's like, that's your uh, homeostasis, right? right? Your baseline, almost. your baseline. Yeah. Right. And then, then things happen to us throughout the day, good and bad that cause this change. And when I learned to, how to, at the end of the day, to go back and reflect on all those things and then know that anytime that I was upset, angry, frustrated, to dive deeper into that and unpack it, and then it always led to an insecurity of my own. If I truly could have good perspective, pull myself out of it and go, okay, that made me angry. Well, why did it make me angry? Or it got me frustrated. Why did it make me frustrated? And then when I start looking deep, well, it's not because that person said that or did that, it's because I get offended by that. Why do I get offended? Yeah, right, yeah. right. Why, yeah. Do, why does that even bother yeah. me? You know, and when you learn to look at every situation like that, and I think I started by doing it as a thing before I went to bed, and then over years, I've trained myself to do that real time while yeah. you're talking, yeah. you know, catching yourself in those moments of like, ooh, that. that what is that? Yeah, what is that yeah, feeling? Yeah, what is that? Uh, I think there's there's so there's two things. The one that I've I've used that's been helpful for me is is margin. Like if you look at most people in their life, they wake up with just enough time to maybe grab a quick bite, get a shower, head straight into the office. They have an hour, maybe even two hour commute 
right? They're wasting time listening to music on the commute. They get into work. They've got a stack of paperwork up to their eyeballs. They get through that. They can't take a break because they got to get through that. They punch out the clock. They get home. They say hi. They kiss the wife. Uh, they've got some chores or whatever they do. They go to bed and they do the same thing over and over again. Right. It's like, yeah, I mean, you can't get to that level if you don't create any space and margin in your life, Yeah. right? So find some time, find, find a couple minutes to reflect so that you can think to yourself, man, I'm frustrated right now. Like you said, why am I frustrated? Right. Like that, but that requires margin. No, it's true. And then the second side of that is an after action review, which you alluded to as well. This is like a military term. A lot of first responders understand this, but this is something that I've learned to do after every day, every engagement, after every encounter, conversation, project. It's five simple questions that I've asked myself. So number one, what did I accomplish? Like, what did I get done today that I set out to do? Number two, what did I not get done? Number three, what did I do really well? Like, where did I thrive? What, what characteristics and skills and abilities and things that I do that went really well? Number four, where did I fall behind? Like, where did I struggle? What, what things did I not get accomplished in the way I would have liked to have gotten them accomplished? And then step number five, what will I do better tomorrow? That's like, cool. imagine like if you just asked yourself those five questions after this podcast, even. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, what did I get done? What didn't I get done? Next podcast I do, what am I going to do better? Like, that's the way that you improve. I think the important part of that, too, is not is to not identify with what you didn't do and what you did do. And what I mean by that is if you do that at the end of the day and you judge it and you say, oh, shit, I didn't do that. I'm a, fu- I'm a loser. Yeah, great or, point. Oh, I did that. I'm a champion. I'm the best. When you start to do that, then uh, you, you start to create, you know, bad behavior. No, you treat it so like more you're, of a and you identify. Of, you identify yeah. with these things, and it, once you identify with things, um, that's where the ego steps in, mm-hmm. and um, that can become a problem. It's no different than when I'm coaching someone through nutrition, and I'm telling them to track, and I'm working them towards intuitive eating, and I tell them, listen, don't judge some of the decisions you made. You can be objective about them and look at them, but the but when you start to judge yourself, you create a layer on top of what you've done. So you've eaten something bad that wasn't good for you. It didn't make you feel good. But now you feel guilty on top of it. Now you're angry that you're guilty and you're creating all these different layers. Right, right. So it's important at the end of the day to make those, you know, the to understand those things, but also don't identify with them. Yeah. That, those aren't the things, those, that's not who you are. Right. You're not your thoughts. You're not the things that you do. You're the, the thing that is seeing this all, the observer. And when you can do that, uh, then you can move forward without any problem. I learned this was a, a big learning lesson for me, just learning how to not be angry at people. You know, when someone did something wrong to me, I had this problem where I would just hold on to it. Mm. I never forgot. Like I never forgot what you would do to me, and ne- you're never going to do that again or whatever. And I realized that forgiving someone wasn't about forgiving them. It was about me not feeling it anymore. Like why am I? Why giving, am I owning giving your this? power away? Right. Yeah, but why yes. am I? You know, why am I owning? It? Obviously, it's because my ego likes this. It likes to feel angry and shitty. As as hard as that is to believe, it's true. Otherwise, we wouldn't mm-hmm. do it. So just let it go, and all of a sudden, you're you're free. Yeah. And and if you know, living your life this way is incredible, man. The 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 power that it gives you. It's not a feeling of power as much as it's a feeling of peace. Yeah, for sure. I remember there's one uh, one exercise that somebody told me and they said, I, I can't remember who it was, but they said, be careful of the, uh, the I am's, the quote I am. Mm-hmm. Like if you do something, mm-hmm. I am dumb, right? No, you're not dumb. You may have done something dumb, right. but that doesn't mean you're dumb. Right. Now you correct the behavior. And I love the word that you use, objective. It's just an objective right. look at what's going on. So that you can make the best decision moving forward. Well, I am as you identifying with it, right? You say I right. am, now you identify. You own it, it now, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you don't yeah. want to say that well, shit. Well, in, in our field of fitness, you know, people really say all the time, I am fat. Yep. You are, you are not your fat. Right. Your body has fat. Has fat, yes. You are something else completely. You are not your fat. And when you, when you can separate the two, then you can move forward and solve some of these problems that plague us. Because if you really think about it, if you really break it down to the issues that we tend to suffer throughout life. And even if you go big and we get all esoteric and we look at humanity as a whole, a lot of our problems are really simple. They're not, I'm not saying they're easy, but they're kind of simple, right? You talk about, you know, the issue of, you know, progressing society forward so we can feed people or whatever. Like if everybody just worked together, that would happen. Sounds pretty simple, right? It's not though, because people have their agendas and their egos and whatever. And their baggage. And their baggage. You talk about doing better at work. I want to succeed at work. 
uh, well, you know the steps, you know what to do, but you make it so fucking complicated on yourself. It's actually quite simple. Or I want to lose weight. Here's the formula. What do you think? Why, can't why do you weight? think we yeah. are that way in a whole as a whole? Why do you think for the most part that because that's the majority? I think I, so. I think I have a, an answer to that. I think that we have been lying to ourselves for so long and coming up with the excuses that we talk about that we actually believe they're true. Mm-hmm. Like we've been conditioned since we we're little, right? Like, and I'm sure I do this to my kids in some capacity. I can't think mm-hmm. of a way I do it right offhand, but I'm sure that I've told my kids something that's just going to be programmed into their mind. And now they're going to start believing that lie or that excuse. And they're going to tell themselves that for 10 years, for 20 years, for 30 years. And then somebody comes along and says, no, 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 that's not right. Mm-hmm. And I, what right. do you mean? <laughs> it's like it wrecks their universe yeah. or they just can't overcome it because that reality is ingrained and indoctrinated. It is part of the blessing of language. It is part of the blessing. It's actually the curse part of being human, of being able to think in language, be able to write and read. And we end up, because of that, we think we are, we become our thoughts is what ends up happening. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're never quiet. That voice in your head is not you. That's, that's a voice that you're observing and listening to. And this is part of meditation. This is part of mindfulness. In fact, most major religions, most major spiritual practices, we'll talk about this in one way or another, but I really think it's the, it's our, I mean, I mean, if, even if you look as in, into, you know, like Christianity and talk about how Adam bites the apple, it's almost like the discovery of the ego. Like, oh, I'm, I know things now. Right. Yeah. Consciousness now almost. Yeah. And that's exactly what it is. And now you've got the curse of that. Now you've got the curse of living in, in places that don't exist, like the future, yeah. like the past, right. neither of which actually exist. There's only now. I think you know, we're, right we're always second. just trying to define, you know, who we are consciously or subconsciously. And so, rather than we, just being, rather than just, yeah, yeah like experiencing. Yeah. So, this is like half of what I'm always trying to. I catch myself doing this all the time. I'm trying to define myself. Like, is this me? Is this me? I'm getting, you know, like a, a confirmation with that with other people. And I'm kind of bringing that in to, right. to help me sort of the validation figure this out. The that, validation. Yeah. I'm, I'm going on in these experiences. Is this me? You know, am I tough? Am I you know, funny? And am I cool? And, you know, am I this? Not? It's, it's, it's really tough to, to be able to kind of well, dissociate Ryan, yourself from that mentality. You're, sure. you're, you're a very self-aware guy. What, what do you see? Uh, what, what insecurities do you see? see still surfacing from like that are rooted all the way back like for me personally yeah personally yeah i mean uh i I, (laughs) well you guys can see i have this big beard right and so i was i was talking to my wife about this it's a luxurious i appreciate that i appreciate that like aslan (laughs) (laughs) thank you yes thank you uh yeah so my wife and i were talking about this and and we were talking about my childhood and and i don't know how we got into it but she's like yeah sometimes i think you overcompensate you know what I mean? Like the masculinity stuff. Sure. Because I didn't have that growing up. Right. So I'm now, now I got my boots on and I got my beard and I drive my truck yeah. and I run order of man. I have I'm, tons of flannels, bro. Don't yeah. And I've got them too, dude. I've got them yeah. packed too. Yeah. And so I think there is even, even to my degree, I think, yeah, I, I think I do overcompensate sometimes for that. Like trying to like, what am I doing? Like making up lost time or yeah. like, what, what is it that I'm doing? So there's that. And then, uh, as I was reading that book, I was telling you about the mask of masculinity. Um, I, I kind of feel like I fall into the, uh, the stoic mask and, and the stoic mask is, is the mask that says you have to keep your calm. Mm. You have to keep composure. You have to keep like a, like mm. your head about you, mm-hmm. even when you're feeling something or, or you're disappointed or you're sad or you're frustrated. I can't, I can't show people that stuff. Like mm. I'm the man, not yeah. a man. Like you I'm give the out all your, man. Your cards. Yeah. Right. And so I keep that stuff close to me, even with my wife. I mean, she'll tell you like the connections that I have with other people. I don't have a lot of deep connections with people. And I wonder if it's just because like, I'm hey, you keep, you keep like, my shield up. I got to keep totally. it right here. It doesn't yeah. feel, it maybe doesn't feel familiar or comfortable to you. Do you have issues, uh, hugging and kissing your sons? Uh, no, that's, okay. that's never been an issue. I mean, awesome. I love you giving them hugs. Um, I, last night as, as I was getting done with football practice with my son, uh, I, I just wanted him to know, I appreciate him playing hard. And so we were walking down the driveway cool. and I grabbed I, him and I just put my arm around him. I, I wouldn't said, I'm guess proud that. Of you, dude. I wouldn't guess that from his, from him. Saying oh, because, I wouldn't, I wouldn't guess he, that, but it, t- it tends it. to be, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that, that sometimes can happen, especially if you're raised yeah, without you gotta, a father figure. Oh well, yeah. But I think that, that's what you also, that normally will make you try, you're going to be that much better of it could yeah, yeah. It, could, it, could it could go, go different way. ways right yeah, yeah, like yeah. it could be like hey i'm not i don't want anything to do with that or again overcompensating it or you know mm-hmm. whatever but yeah. I, I feel like i feel like we 
we have a, an affection there that's appropriate between me and my boys and my wife and daughter. I would think he's, I would think he's more like you, mm. where oh, yeah. you're both probably really good ass dads, but you you probably overcompensate and you worry and stress about that because of that reason for it you. Could be, but yours yeah. is for different because you have your you had a you have a different relationship with your dad growing up. Yeah, no, I had a great. Uh, but great you, I think you are way hard on yourself for what kind of father that you Absolutely. are. Absolutely. My, my, so I, I, I grew up with the insecurity of not being strong enough, big enough, you know, tough enough or whatever. I, I grew up in a, you know, kind of an old school Sicilian family and uh, the, there's, it's very masculine and sure. very feminine at the same time. The mom runs the household, but the dad is the, you know, he's the dude that, you know, calls the shots and, and, uh, and, and there's very, you know, specific roles. And so, I didn't feel, you know, I was a skinny kid and I lifted weights to get bigger and did all that stuff. And I really came to terms with that years ago to the point now where I'm extremely confident with those displays of masculinity and well, it doesn't bother me at all anymore. Those are things I've actually, but now I'm dealing with new insecurities. And here's what's interesting about that is you're going to, if you are a person that's growth oriented and self-aware and you work towards these things, what you will end up, what's going to happen is you're going to end up dealing with one and then that's going to be solved and then another one tends yeah. to pop up. Yeah, definitely. And it's just the way life works. And more recently, just through my divorce, it was just, am I being a good father? I'm guilty for, for with my children with this. Am I, you know, uh, is this, how's this going to affect them, you know, growing up? And, you know, uh, anytime something happens with my kids, if they wake up in the middle of the night now, I'm thinking, oh, it's because of the divorce, even though it may be mm. just a bad dream. Yeah. And so, but I'm, you know, I'm dealing with it and I'm very conscious of it and I'm getting a lot better with it. But the, it's interesting how insidious uh, insecurities and these things can be to the point where they become a part of who you are so deeply that you literally cannot identify them at all unless you start to maybe listen to the, close, the people that are closest around you, which is very difficult. Right. It's very difficult to hear someone tell you, hey, man, you're overcompensating or yeah, whatever. For sure. Like, what are you talking oh, about? Yeah. I feel yeah. great. I'm a cool guy. What are you talking about? And, you or, know, you know, it, wants to hear that. even to some case, I think a lot of people can't even function. Like I know for me, we're in Tahoe this weekend, right? And I know for me, one of the things I hate just more than about anything is flying. Like I really do not fly, like flying. Hmm. But I flew out here. And I started thinking about this uh, a couple of years ago as I knew it, I hated flying. What do I hate so bad? Well, I hate that I could potentially die in a plane crash. That's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the bottom line. So I'm like, well, why? Like, what, what's so bad about that? And I'm, nobody wants to die, right? But the conclusion I came to is that my kids will grow up without a dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why, I'm afraid, that's why I'm afraid of planes. Right, that's yeah. the truth. Because I'm afraid that, that my is. kids will grow up without a dad. And so if I don't have a healthy level of understanding what that is and still being able to like, function like it'd be really easy for me to never fly anywhere never experience life all because of an insecurity do you ever do you ever go through and and this was a a a trick that i learned i don't know if i call it a trick but it's a technique that i learned a long time ago where um when i have fears i i will literally sit down and think about the worst case scenario place myself in the worst case scenario that i'm that i'm so afraid of and i get myself okay with it yeah, I get myself awesome. being okay with it, and then I lo- no longer well, fear it. Your therapy, yeah, yeah, so like if my exactly so like if my biggest fear is you know, uh, you know, uh, oh crap, I'm gonna get sick, or I'm gonna you know, uh, I'm gonna become paralyzed from this accident or whatever. I I put myself in that scenario, worst case scenario. Now what do I do with that? I get okay with it, I accept it, and then you end up losing that fear. It's a very powerful technique. Awesome, it's very yeah. difficult to do though because you have to literally sit there. And place yourself in that. Face what if my fear, yeah, right? Yeah, big Feel time. It, the real but it's a, it's a it's a super super effective one to the point where you know the 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 man who fears nothing uh, is the man that is okay with anything happening. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Doesn't mean you like it necessarily, but if you're like, well, if shit goes down, what's that going to be like? And can I be okay with it? Let me make myself okay with it. And you're no longer scared. You're not scared of natural disasters. You're not scared of anything. Yeah. It's, it's pretty awesome. That's interesting. Not I saying like that that's pers- where I'm at. But no, but, <laughs> but I like that perspective. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I think that's the same formula for success in business. Oh, I've done it with business yeah. so many I, times. I think it's the same thing with business. But yeah, I think, I think like, you know, most, most entrepreneurs are afraid to take that step in fear of losing or not being able to pay this or do that. And you can't you can't have that mindset. You got to have the mindset. Yeah. So what? You know what? So not at the end yeah. of the world. If this I'm fails. Lose you know? X amount. Yeah. I always look at that going into any of these like ventures that we're doing. It's just like, well, what's the worst that can happen? Right. But, and then we just like go through that. How are we going to bounce back? And so you already have that in line. So. Well, Place. After you, that, what you know, what's left? Well, if you treat it as no matter what, 
no matter what you win if if you get growth out of it right oh, yeah. so if you learn and let's be honest most <laughs> of the time when we when pace. we lose or we hurt or we fail the most growth happens yeah. that's that's so, the only time growth doesn't happen when things are great i believe no. it can otherwise you stay the it same it doesn't happen right. as as often very very gradual pace maybe. and 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 we tend to we tend to not look at it the same way when we when we are successful but yeah absolutely so if you learn to embrace the if you learn to embrace that it's i think it's um i think you have to you start seeking that right you almost seek the fear you seek yes. the failure because you know it's another opportunity yes it's either i'm either gonna, way right i'm either yeah. going to accomplish this and win and awesome, or, or i'm going to come out pummeled. even better than what i was when i went in so well, i think the, the most successful people do that when they are kicking ass is they put themselves they in push. uncomfortable situations in order to keep themselves growing. Right. Because otherwise you get comfortable and then nothing happens. The perspective I've always taken, not always, but that I like to take is uh, you, you just got to give yourself permission to experiment. Mm-hmm. Like if, if, if you're going at it, like I have to win, I have to make this a success, I have to, I, I can't fail, you're, you're not going to do it versus, hey, I need to experiment. Like that's how I define success, experimentation. So podcasting, that was an experiment right? Um, participating in a Spartan event, like we're here this weekend, that's an experiment. Uh, uh, doing a new business venture, that's an experiment. And so you don't, you're not guaranteed success with an experiment. If you approach it like that way, I think you give yourself more opportunities. Do you, are you purpose driven? Do you feel like, uh, because you've made some pivots, do you feel like you're just following what you, what you're supposed to do? I do now. I do now. I think there's a lot of people that feel like they're entitled to know their purpose. Mm. Like, I should just know. Like, no, you got to earn that, mm. right? And so a lot of people say, how do you find your purpose? It's not like something that's like out there Keep and you trip stuff. over it. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's like you just do stuff. And yeah. then you're like, oh, I like that and I don't like that. And so you move totally. left. And I like, it's like, you remember those books when you were little, choose your own adventure? Yeah. Oh, I love those books. <laughs> that's what it's like. It's like you read and then you come yeah. to this fork in the road. You're like, I think I'll go this way with the information I have. And you yeah. take that course and- I think oh shit! Wrong get, way. Go back. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and, and I think what people do is they get so hung up and like, oh, it's got to be right, and I got to find my purpose, and so they can't make a decision at all, and they sit the sidelines, and then they ask guys like us, "How do you find your purpose?" It's like, right, dude, yeah. you knew you just didn't do it. <laughs> I, you know, I think one of the best gauges to find your purpose is really to do what fulfills you in the truest sense. The difficulty with that is I don't think people know what that feels like, or what does that mean to be fulfilled? Does it mean I make a lot of money? Not necessarily. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Does it mean, you know, I'm having a lot of fun? Not necessarily. It's, you know, feeling fulfilled when you understand what that feels like for you. Every, when you move towards that, you, you, you I, in my personal belief is you do what your purpose is. And when you're doing your purpose, when you're on that path, you're your best version of yourself. Yeah. And many times, many times it is something you recognize in hindsight. There's been a few times where while it's happening, I'm like, this is my purpose. But many times it's like looking back and be like, oh shit, yeah, that was that totally was what, what I was, was supposed to yeah, do. You know what I mean? Close. I mean, I feel like in, in the work that I do now, I, I, quite honestly, I feel called to do this. Like I almost in a way feel like, and I've always felt this from the time I was little. I know a lot of people feel this way. Is that like I was, I'm destined, right? Like I'm oh, destined yeah. for something more. And I, I was like this, this hamster wheel of like spinning and spinning and spinning and I couldn't figure it out. And I just had this like plaguing thought on the back of my mind. Like I know I'm meant for something greater. I feel like I'm getting to that point now, but honestly, what that took is me starting a podcast for my financial planning practice. Mm-hmm. Like me hearing a podcast, I'm like, oh, that sounds kind of cool. I should try that. Mm-hmm. And now two and a half years later, which is not a long time, I feel like, man, this is my calling. And Wait, it might change next year. Now, was that the first time you ever felt that feeling where you did something and you're like, this is what I'm supposed to do? Or had you felt that before? I don't think I've ever felt the way I feel right That's now. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I really don't. What an exciting time. It is, man. It's exciting and yeah. I feel fired up and, and, I, and I get messages and people, you know, hey, I love what you're doing and I'm inspired by what you're doing. And like that sense of satisfaction, mm. fulfillment and feeling in me is like- You got a whole community yeah, man, and a tribe awesome. now kind of buying I, into I, it. Sure, right? I was very, sure. very, very fortunate to feel that at a very young age. I was 18 years old. The first time I ever felt like I was doing something that I was supposed to do. And I remember it. I remember my first day was my first day working in a gym as a personal trainer. Really? And I, re- I, I wanted to work in the gym. I loved the gym. I loved working with people. I love people. But I remember my very first day, you know, doing these orientations with people. And I, that first day, I got more clients and did more in revenue that one day than the top trainer had done the previous, really? that whole month. Yeah. And, but it was, it was almost, and I, I explain it to people like this. It's like, it felt, 
effortless. And not that it was easy. It was like, I just felt like this is what I'm supposed I'm to do. I'm good at this. Right? And, and it was just the first time I'd ever felt that feeling. And it was so addicting mm-hmm. that I lived there and breathed it. And I didn't get that feeling again until I managed my first team. And then I felt like this is what I'm supposed to do. And then it was years. It was years where I owned my own wellness facility and I liked it. I loved it. It was a great time, but I didn't get that feeling that I had for such a long time to the point where I almost thought I lost my mojo or something. Mm, yeah. You know? See, I, mean, I, I, was, I, believe, I believe the signs are there. I believe the signs are there for everybody. And I think people just don't know how to see them. I think, I think that it's like uh, finding your purpose is like finding the right woman. And I think the, uh, the people that always struggle with the, that relation, finding a perfect relationship or a partner, they want it so bad. Yeah. That that's what they're, they're focused on when really what you should focus on is being true to who you are. Mm-hmm. And I think the same thing goes for finding your purpose. When you're true to who you are and you follow your path like that, the, the signs are there. But when you're looking so hard and you're trying to find it so hard, it's such a, it's such a hard thing to do. Dude, I'll tell you what, when I had my, I had a wellness facility I owned for about 14 years and I liked it and everything and it was good, but it wasn't, I didn't feel like I had that first time where I felt like I was supposed to be doing, you know, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And uh, I had a client, Doug was actually my client. We're training together and we ended up creating this program together. And he tells me, we're not going to make this a book. We're actually going to sell it online and we're going to do videos. Hmm. So I'm going to need you to, so what you're going to do is you're going to, you're going to sell on camera and talk to people about the programs on camera. And I'm like, I've never fucking done that before. Like I've never been on camera and talked about these things. I don't know if I can do that. Like that's, that sounds kind of intimidating, but let's go ahead and give it a shot. And he turned the camera on, put it on me. I started talking. And then that was the third time. It's awesome. That I felt like this is what I'm supposed to do. And it's just it turned into this podcast. And it's uh it's in it's when you when you're in when you're in that space where you you understand the why behind what you do and your purpose, um, everything else tends to fall into place. And every time I veer off that track for my own individual self is when I find myself stressed or when I find things, I feel like I'm forcing things. You know, I enjoy business. I enjoy enjoy entrepreneurship, um, but money w- has never been my purpose. Earning money, and I, I know I say that, and people kind of you know some people may roll their eyes, and I think it comes. I think it comes as a side effect for me at least. But it's never really been that important to me. And every time I focus on money, I feel like I lose yeah. who I really am. When I take my eye off that and I focus on my passion, which is disseminating information, meeting people, influencing people the money tends to come. And I got to keep reminding myself, 38 years old, I still fucking forget that lesson. And it's almost like I have to relearn it every few months where I'm like, wait a minute, that's not the shit that drives me. It's not about the numbers so much. I like looking at them. I like to see what's happening with the business. But what drives me is like, what's my passion? And when I get in that- That's your finding your why, man. That's some Simon Sinek. Oh, I fucking explode, man. And everything else when you do that, I think too, what I've experienced is that things just tend to become insignificant. Like other stuff. I, I'll give you an example. I uh, I had a shirt design that I did um, about two months ago. And in hindsight, it looks just like those other company shirts. And I had them out. They reached out to me. They were pissed. And I'm looking at them like, yeah, I, I get that. Right. So, <laughs> so I pull these shirts. I'm like, I'm not going to sell these shirts. So I pull these shirts and I'm out several grand on the design and the print oh, and everything wow. else. And I'm like, that sucks. But at the same time, like learning experience. That was cool. Like that sucked, but at the same time, learning experience, insignificant. Let's drive on. Let's move forward. Mm. Because you are in your purpose, right? And I can just get back on track really quick and not Mm. get derailed Mm. by these things that I think have a tendency to completely wreck people's lives and they just really aren't that significant. They just dwell on it. I know. I had a a client once who, and one of the things I love so much about uh, working in the fitness industry is I got mentored by so many people most of them didn't know that they were mentoring me. Most of them were yeah. just very successful clients or whatever. But I would ask them questions, have conversations. Luckily, people tend to like to talk about themselves and don't have a problem, you know, sharing information. So, I'd, and they would just become my mentors for different things. You know, I'd have this guy over here who'd mentor me on business, and this person over here would mentor me on personal life or whatever. There was this gentleman that I trained, uh, Jim, was his name, and he was a very successful, uh, self-made entrepreneur. He was uh, 70 years old. He was worth millions of dollars. Uh, had uh, I don't even think he had a high school education, to be honest with you. Grew up extremely, extremely poor. And one day I'm training him and I asked him, I said, Jim, I said, 
I, I want to ask you a question about business because I, I own my own business and I, you know, I, I think you're extremely successful and I want to learn from people like you. I said, how did you succeed? Like, like what, what, what's the secret to it all? Like, if you could tell me one thing. And he goes, you're asking me the wrong question. Mm. And I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, don't ask me that. He says, ask me how many times I failed. Mm. And it was like a bomb went off when he said that. And so I asked him, I said, how many times have you failed? And he told me about the three times he went bankrupt, the three times he made millions of dollars, and the three times he lost all of it. And I mean really? all of it. Yeah. And every each time he learned something from it and grew and got better each and every time. And you see this with the most successful people. And we're speaking about business, but even in the most successful people in business, you see this over and over again. These extremely successful individuals, they've lost more money then most people will earn in 10 oh, you lifetimes. Can't, right. You can't, you can't, yeah. throw, you can't not throw Joe DeSena's name in that since we're here representing the Spartan race this week. Oh he's man, a, we did a podcast with him. He's a perfect example of, I mean, uh, I don't know if, if you know this or not, Ryan, but I mean, this guy was worth millions of dollars before Spartan came around right. and he spent almost all his money <laughs> trying, to make, lost, trying to make Spartan it. work. Yeah. And yeah. It's ba- it barely took off just like it. a couple yeah, years ago. Crazy. Yeah, and really yeah. did he just now start making his money from that, but he damn near went broke forcing this to make it happen. So it's pretty, it was a neat story to listen to him. Yeah, it's awesome. That's cool. Life yeah. is definitely, you know, uh, it's interesting. It's like baseball, except you don't, there's no three strike rule. Yeah. So you just swing the fuck out of the bat. Over and over and, and over again. And yeah. you're going to hit something. And you're <laughs> going to hit something. That analogy was going to uh, work. I, ju- I just going like to say, sound <laughs> well, Sal doesn't even watch sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give yeah. A sport we give him a hard time all the time. He's yeah. a player. Really. You did good, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. listen. I, I, uh, Eventually, you're going to hit that ball and make <laughs> I a home. I was like, is he going to say, like, touchdown or something? I was like, oh, my God. Go to mindpumpmedia.com. We have 30 days of coaching. It's available for free. Also, go to YouTube, Mind Pump TV. There's a new video every single day. In fact... Today, there's a surprise video. Go check it out. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.